Okay, so welcome guys, and uh, yeah, for my weekly uh, live stream. So hopefully we won't have any technical difficulties. We had a few last week with the echoes, but hopefully I've sorted that out now. Um, but yeah, it's all fun and games. I've got three monitors. I've got a big monitor there and two monitors here. So it's all good and fun. But um, actually, we've got some really good information now. It's interesting because property goes through phases, and we all know that. But it's amazing how at some points you realize that actually there's a lot more news than at other points when there's actually not a lot happening. And it's almost like you know, the, the news media is trying to find news. But right now, there's lots and lots of stuff happening. And obviously, that's understandable. We're in the middle of a recession. We've had a downturn. There's questions over whether you know, the market's recovering or whether it's actually going to double dip. And there's a whole range of things like that which are affecting the market right now. And I think the, the key here is not to lose your mind. And I think you know, if, if my one word of advice right now is to take a breath. You know? And what I mean by that is, if you're reading a news article, if you're watching the news, if you, you know, getting someone gives you an opinion, just take a breath and ponder it before you actually take it in and let it get into your subconscious and believe it. Because I think you know, I'm reading lots and lots and lots, and I read lots and lots and lots about you know, not just the UK, but the whole world, economics and politics and all that sort of stuff. And um, I don't know really where things are going, you know, not with any definite thing. And I think the key right now is this, is that normally when I sit here and I go, right, this is where we are. That's probably the best we can hope for. That's probably the worst we can expect. Yeah. Right now, what I've noticed is actually this now has gone from this model to much more where the bottom angle is going, well, actually, it could go down to here. Um, but there's a lot to say, actually, it could be going this way. There's a lot to say that it could be going this way. And, and dip, you know, ask five experts and you get 10 different answers. And I think that's one of the keys. But look, guys, so what I'm starting to do, I'm, you know, we're building this program out and we're going to build it out. And I, there's, you know, whenever you, if you've got questions about anything that we're covering or even anything to do with property right now, you know, feel free just to type into the comments. I can see when the comments come up. And, um, and basically, yeah, just type them in. And what I can do is put a Q at the capital Q at the front. And that way I know it's a question. But feel free to, you know, put in your two bob and what you think. And, you know, I'm happy to respond to that. So, you know, I want to make this as, as interactive as possible. I don't just want it to be one way um, communication. But look, guys, so let's get started. So first segment is recession watch. And I think what this is really about is obviously this is the most topical issue right now is, you know, are we going down? Are we going up? Are we sitting where we are? Are we going to have unemployment? Is inflation going to hit us? All these questions. And so what I want to do in this segment is really cover the news as it is right now and, and where it's tracking. Okay. So there'll be certain things we track. But, you know, I think really the, the key here is there's a lot of data coming out. There's a lot of articles coming out. You know, one I was reading today, and, and I've been sort of following this, which is the zombie companies, okay? You know, zombie companies are multiplying in the UK, and that's bad news for the economy, the think tank says. So think tank, and the think tank is onward. And interestingly, and I always, whenever somebody makes a comment or a commentary or something like that, I always look to who they are and what they're doing. And this is a center-right thinkers and leaders, you know, so, you know, this is going to, you know, this will be very business minded and very, you know, so I think the key here with this is they're saying that potentially one in five, but as I was doing the research, there's one in seven, there's one in three, all different people have their different opinions, you know, but I do think there is zombie companies and, and zombie companies because the furlough scheme, zombie companies because the bounce back loans were given out without any criteria. So I think this, there is some merit to this. Okay. Um, so yeah, so basically, um, yeah, Danelle, I'll, I'll deal with the, that offline because there's no use doing an update right now on that. 
Um, but yeah, I just had a question from Janelle. But um, yeah, bottom line is, look, you know, the zombie company side of things really is um, very much a, a topical issue. And what we may see is when the furlough drops and when all the government subsidy goes away, you may see these businesses that perhaps weren't any good before that are actually fallen over now or in industries that are now defunct or heading in the wrong way. You know, this is happening a lot. And what's happened, these zombie industries with uh, companies were there before. So it's not that they all of a sudden just come because of the recession. Actually, they come for you know much more than that. Okay, so basically, you know, I think one of the key things here is yes, you know, there are zombie companies, and one of the, the key distinctions here is that I think if you look at the the criteria, the criteria is varied about what a zombie company is. You know, so you know, how do you know what a zombie company is? I mean, I might be running a zombie company by some of the criteria. You may be working for a zombie company by some of the criteria. There's not a fixed criteria. It's not. You know, I mean, you can say, but oh, it's an insolvent company. Well, actually, maybe it's not insolvent. Maybe it's insolvent now, but when recovery happens, it won't be insolvent. So that's, you know, one of the things that this is one of the fears. If lots of companies, you know, fall over, that's going to lead to, well, effectively redundancies, you know, and, you know, redundancy floodgates will open, says Unite Union. Well, of course, they're going to say that, you know. Right now, you know, if we look at redundancies, there was 300,000 predicted. Now, haven't, we haven't had updated figures in June and July. Okay, now the unemployment rate has gone. So if we have a look at the unemployment rate, yeah, the unemployment rate's gone from 3.9 to 4.1. Okay, so it is rising, but you would expect that given the situation. And you know, the interesting thing is, I find with this whole furlough scheme is that a lot of people are going to let go of people. And, and a lot of people are thinking, well, when the furlough ends, everybody's going to get, you know, all the, these people on furlough are going to get made redundant. But as a business owner, I sit there and go, hold on a sec. You know, we employ about 50 people, you know, in various um, countries and things like that. Actually, it's probably more than that. But anyway. but but the bottom line is with that is that when you have a look at it, why would I hold on to somebody and pay their NI and all this sort of stuff? Why wouldn't I get rid of them up front and, you know, lean and mean, save my cash? Because they're furloughed. They're not working. So it doesn't make sense to say, wait until the end and then there's going to be a bit. Now, sure, there'll be some of that. But actually, what's been happening is there's been some every month. But there hasn't been a massive drop, okay? And that's quite positive. One of the other positives with this whole thing is that actually, if you look at China, if you look at, say, Singapore, where, you know, where I am, and a lot of countries that are out of, you know, the main part of the, you know, the, the issue, and they're back into, you know, some level of normality where they're going out shopping and going out eating and that sort of stuff. Actually, like Singapore, I am, it's bloody busy right now. You know, traffic is back. You know, shopping centers are full. Now, not all shopping centers. A lot of businesses have closed, you know, and I think that's going to be, that's where we talk about the zombie companies or the companies that haven't opened back up or industries that are no longer perhaps where they could have been, okay? But, you know, inflation, uh, sorry, uh, the unemployment is rising. But you know what? It's only 0.2%. That's not dramatic. It's not, you know, this. It's kind of incremental, with, which is in line with what you expect. And I think most of the stats we're finding that is exactly what we're seeing, okay? So yeah, so I've got a question here. I'm buying a one bedroom um, in Leeds. Valuation come down to 60,000. Would you be happy to buy this and buy probably or wait till the end of next year? Good question, okay. So let me just, um, where are we? I'm gonna add that to broadcast because that's quite a good question. Okay, so Aaron, you're buying a one bedroom in Leeds. Great, valuation come um, back down to 60,000. Okay, so, uh, you know, one bedroom, I'm not sure where it was, but yeah, that, you know, probably 70, 80 or something like that. And, and look, if people are selling now, 
you know, I'm not a big proponent, I've said this all along, that prices are galloping up and that sort of stuff. Prices have come down in a lot of areas, okay? Because the fundamentals aren't there. If people are losing their jobs, if people aren't, you know, the, the rentals aren't, market isn't holding up and that. You know, we've come out of austerity and then layered on Brexit on top of that. So all is not fantastic, you know, what all wasn't in the a fantastic market before we went into this. So, you know, would you be better to wait till next year? Um, look, I don't know what your situation is. If 60,000, I mean, could it go from 60,000 to 50,000? I'm not sure where it's come from, but the reality is, you know, if you can afford to buy it now, you can afford to get on it and you can get mortgage, you know, and you're moving into it. If it's an investment, maybe, you know, you could, you know, play the, you know, it might drop more because prices could drop if, you know, the unemployment keeps dropping. But by the same token, things could remain the same and things could actually recover. So, you know, is it going to go from 60,000 back up to 80,000? I'm, I'm assuming it's dropped from 80 to 60. That, and that's a massive assumption. Um, I don't know where it is. But um, any reason, I've got a couple of flats in Leeds, so that's you know what I'm sort of thinking. But um, but I think you know if you can get something for sixty thousand, um, and you know it was eighty thousand or even seventy thousand, that's quite a good discount. And if you can afford it, because let's face it, you're buying it for the long term. If you're buying it to buy it and flip it, then I'd probably say you know maybe wait till next year. But it really depends on your circumstances on that that case. All right. So hopefully that helps out. Um, yeah, but you know, I think it really depends. And you know, what I'd say is if you've got, if you want to, make contact with a team or send an email to webinars at gladfish.com, chat to one of the guys and they can go through your circumstances and go, actually, you know what? Yeah, you know, sounds like a good, good idea, all right? Um, good, so inflation, so yeah, the next thing. So we've talked about, you know, the, the zombie companies, all right, which potentially will all fall over when, you know, the, the furlough and government incentives are gone. We've talked about the unemployment, inflation rate. So the inflation rate has come down, okay? You can see by the graph there, you know, it was heading up and now it's come down. And the interesting thing is, you know, with this, this is what we'd expect, okay? That, that prices aren't going up right now. The issue is with all the government spending, the sting in the tail is that we could get inflation next year or the year after. But, and this is one of my bigger, bigger plays right now in terms of my, my, my gut feel and where things are going. And that is, I think the US government and the, you know, the US has led in that they just print money aimlessly and senselessly and at the end of the day, they don't really care, frivolously almost. You know? And what's happening now is a lot of other countries are going, you know what, US got away with it and are getting away with it and have got away with it since the last recession. They just, you know, in, inflated their way out of it, or, or spent their, you know, produced money. Was it um, made made money, printed money? Um, can't think of the bloody name, but anyway. Um, and I, I think what's happening is a lot of countries are going. Well, if it worked for them, yeah, okay, we're not the reserve company, so country, so we can't get away with it as as they can, but perhaps we can. And I think that's what's starting to happen. And if everyone does it, then we all sort of, you know, ha have the same problem. You know, it's where countries, a lot of countries you never used to, and if you're in a recession, you know, you were the only country going into a recession. So, you know, that's not necessarily happened. This is a worldwide thing. So, you know, some countries will perform better, some will do worse. But I think the bigger picture is countries are starting to get away with stuff that they wouldn't have normally done. And we'll talk about Brexit later on, and we'll just talk about how arrogant, you know, the, 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 U, the UK government is around the Brexit, the exit bill, you know? Um, and it's the same concept that I think is coming out with politicians now, where they realize they can do whatever the hell they want, and they don't, there's no, no one checking them, you know? And I think Trump really has taken us down that rabbit hole to a degree. Um, also with inflation, I mean, the interesting thing is they're saying, you know, eating out scheme pushes down infl August inflation. That's been a huge success, you know? People I know who are in that sort of industry 
fantastic. It's worked really, really well for them. Um, you know, wonderful. You know, and you know, good on them. Um, so yeah, so I think that that's really good. Um, look, I think really with this whole recession thing, okay, it all depends on the government incentives, and it all depends on how the businesses go from here and how we go about spending. The good thing is. You know, because they're building more properties and they're going and they're investing in that, that money's getting down and that can be spent. So to build new properties, okay? So there's a bit of a mini boom. I won't say it's not a boom by any boom perspective, but it certainly has stimulated the market to get moving in the building sector. And then the building sector goes into the, the, the effect or the planning development goes into the building and then the building. I mean, for instance, building right now, you can't get red bricks, you know? because there's just not enough um, supply of them. You know, so that's what a precursor to prices going up, yeah, which obviously inflation and all those sort of things, but actually in the sense of where we are, that's not such a bad thing, yeah? So um, yeah, it's, you know, for me, it's not, it's more positive than negative, but it's not over the top positive, okay? All right, so let's have a look at some um, house prices and hotspots. Once again, any other questions, guys? Um, yeah, just type them into the, um, the um, the thing and put a cap Q in front of them. I'm happy to, to answer them. Um, look, I think you know with house prices for me right now is that there's been there's always a spring bounce and that spring bounce was extended because of the stamp duty, which is great because normally August is slow. August was quite good, um, but now we are going to see house prices start to ease off and the the demand start to ease off because we're heading into winter. Yeah, we're also potentially into heading into another lockdown, which is a whole nother story. But you know, that's certainly not something we want. But hey, you know, we'll see how we go there. Um, but look, I think one of the interesting, and I got this map now. You can't probably can't read that map. Don't worry about it. You don't need to read it exactly. Um, but effectively, everywhere is going up, and it has been going up. Okay, and these are figures basically from the spring bounce onwards. Um, but if we if we zone in on the actual numbers. You know, you're looking at four four percent. You know, in Manchester and Nottingham, Leeds, Liverpool, you know, Edinburgh, Leicester, Birmingham. You know, so you're getting good growth in those areas. Okay, which is great news. You know, for those areas, they're good, vibrant markets. You know, now a lot of these places have had money spent. The problem I have with the rest of the UK is if you step outside those areas, those main cities, then there's not a lot of money getting spent in those areas and things aren't happening as much, okay? So, why are house prices going up? You know, and this is the Zoopla, I thought this was a good graph just to see. So new supply is down 12%. Obviously, if supply drops and demand increases, which obviously demand up 34%, you're gonna get house rise. If you get supply up and demand down, you're gonna get a drop. So right now, demand is a lot higher. Add to that agreed sales, yeah? Add to that total inventory has dropped, you know? So all these sort of things, um, mean that house prices have gone up. You know, demand has outpaced supply, and that's simple economics. Yeah, and I think when we look at that, what you see is you know that's what you end up with. So I think house price wise, you know, that's positive, but it's short lived. I don't think in this circumstance we're going to see huge growth continuing. Okay, I, I just don't see the fundamentals aren't there. There's too much downside risk. You know, as I said before, you know, normally it's that's the upside, that's the downside, and that's where we are in the middle. And what I'm saying is actually the downside now is sort of spread out a bit. Okay, so we've got to factor that in. And when we factor that in, you know, that is not going to sustain us, even with the stamp duty and even that. I mean, it might get us through winter, and you know, there's there's a lot of activity in that sort of market, that under 500 market, which is great. 
Um, you know, so yeah, but I think it will slow down. Okay, so guys, any questions you've got, make sure you have capital Q, and um, and I'm happy to answer them. All right, all right. So Brexit, the thing we all forgot about, but actually it's started. I mean, I started talking about it about three weeks ago, and then all of a sudden now we've started to see on regular daily sort of um, articles about it. Look, you know, for me it's happening, but I've never thought, and you know, I've always been on the positive side of it and thought it was a media spin on a lot of things. But interestingly, you know, Dominic Rabb seeks to reassure U.S. politicians over Brexit bill. In other words, they have effectively gone stick it up, you, you know what, um, international law. We're not going to follow it. We're going to go against the thing we signed um, and do whatever the hell we please, which is very Trump-esque. And I think that's what we're going to start to see more politicians doing, not just in the U.S. and the U.K., but in lots of countries in Australia, and you know, we're seeing it lots of places. You know. It's unfortunate, but that's the reality is we've let them get away with so much. Now they're taking all sorts of liberties. And I think that's what they're going to be doing. Now, part of it's probably posturing, you know, in the negotiation is, you know, they want to create that fear, you know, blindsiding the EU, blindsiding the negotiations. But the reality is, is that I think, you know, we are, well, we're leaving. I'm not sure we'll get a, I, I think we'll get a deal but I'm not sure it's going to be one of these deals that really, it's the deal you have when you're not having a deal, if you know what I mean. Um, you know, it's not going to be as comprehensive. I mean, we finally, like I saw we got Japan um, trade deal, which is great. One out of how many countries? 300 and something countries in the world. Um, you know, it's a nice deal to have, but you know, the EU is really our biggest partner and that's the one we should really be trying to get. But interestingly, you'll see lots of these articles, which are, you know, Brexit freight system will be ready on time. You know, so they are working in the background, and they make no mistake. They are getting things together because we have we're out we are out. We're not going back in. There's no no no. We're not going to Brexit. Brexit is done. Now the question is is how do we make it work um, for all parties? And I think there's a lot of politics, and then there's a lot of economics and systems and business and trying to keep you know that all floating. And I think that will it'll come together. It'll be slower, but there'll be lots of you know news articles about how we pulled in the you know the the 11th hour deal and all that sort of stuff. That's what will happen. Yeah. So guys, any questions? Yeah, make sure you um you know just type a Q in front of it. So lettings and management. Now lettings and management, there's so much been happening now. And actually I kinda I feel sorry for landlords right now. Because you know what? For about the last five years we've had tax changes, we've had more compliance, we've had effectively the government say, you know, you know, we get lost we don't really care about you. We're not even going to talk about you. Um, but what it has started to do, and the positive thing that I think is coming out of this is, is um, we're starting to get landlord lobbying groups. And, and it's not just landlords, it's agents, landlords, lobbying groups against tenant lobbying groups, your generation rents and things like that. Um, and I think the thing is really, is as we start to get more of a voice, then we'll start to get heard more and we'll start to get more things. Because right now, what's going on is, is you know, nothing short of criminal, to be fair, the way they're, they're treating landlords. It's almost like, oh yeah, they can afford to have a tenant who's not paying for you know, six months um, you know, rent. You know, I mean, they just don't have any, a total disregard. It's almost like if you save up and you work your ass off so you can actually buy a property, well, screw you because we've got these tenants and there's more of them, so we'll pander to their, you know, their whims. You know, which just is, you know, you know, for me, absolute crap. Um, so Hamas has just asked a question. Um, yeah, it's actually a good question, Hamas. Uh, so I'll chuck it on the screen. Look, 
um, you know, investing in city centres is still viable. You know, I hear, keep hear people moving out. I was having this conversation with, with a couple of guys and it's interesting because a lot of people are saying, um, you know, that basically as many people are moving in as are moving out. And I think anyone that says, you know, look, anyone that says, oh, you know, don't buy in the city centres because, you know, everyone's moving out. You know what? I hate to say this, but this is where, yes, there'll be some people that are moving out. And yes, there'll be some people that are moving in. You know, is it going to fundamentally change where, oh, no, we don't want to live in the cities. We don't want the fundamentals. We don't want the closeness to transport. We don't want close. You know, it's just not. It's a ridiculous concept. And you know what? If you are doing that and you believe that, you're an idiot. I don't mean to call people idiots, but the reality is, is that, you know, it's, it's not... It doesn't, the, the facts don't wear out, number one. Yes, it sounds good putting people on the newspapers and saying, oh, they're moving, you know, they're upping the family and moving out. Yeah, they're upping the family and moving out. Probably they were going to do that anyway. They'd already been thinking about it, you know. But you know what? Great. If more people move out, more families move out, which they do anyway, then more single people, you know, will move in. And I mean, that's what's happening. Make no mistake, the trend towards moving into the cities is here and it's here to stay. The fundamentals are far better and that's the lifestyle that a lot more people want. And let's face it, people are getting married later, they're having kids later, so they're moving out in the suburbs later. Yeah. So we can say, and this is, I, I, I love, this happens every time we have a some form of whatever it is, whether it be you know financial crisis, whether it be you know COVID, whatever it is, people immediately go, oh, look, you know nobody's gonna need offices anymore, we're all gonna work from home. Well, you know what? We did a we did a, a poll with our staff, and eighty percent of them were like, "Get me back to the office, please." You know, they, they don't want to work from home. Yeah, you know, having some flexibility, maybe okay, great. But you know, so yes, it will change fundamentally. Um, but it's not going to change in that much, and it's not going to make that much of a difference. So, really, good question, Amartu. But I think you know, it's you know, I love all these knee-jerk reaction comments that come out, and they get column column inches. But for the most part, they never come through and they never come out. You know, you're talking about London and Manchester and these big major cities that are, you know, that are already structuring themselves to be cities of the future. Okay, and that that accounts for so much more than, you know, I, I mean, I, I love the fact that people do this, but that is the media selling, you know, column inches, and that's all it is. There's very little in now. If you're a family and you're sitting there going, actually, I think we're going to move out because we just had to spend three months, you know, sitting at home in a small apartment and actually want to get out. Yeah, totally. But you know what? They're going to move out. You're going to move out with your family. Great. But somebody else is going to move into that property. Yeah. And the 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 rent will adjust accordingly. That's what the market does. You know, that's how it works. Okay. Good. 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 Um, yeah. So Dean just come. Um, I've seen you focus on new build and off plan. Is a premium pay developer still worth it in the market? Good, good. So, okay, so great. So is the new build premium worth it? Now, the interesting thing with the, the new build premium is it changes over time, okay? So what we mean by, so if you don't understand what the mean new build premium is, it's like you go on to and buy a new car, there's a new car premium than a second hand. When you drive a flood, drops in price, okay? It doesn't quite work like that with property. A lot of people think, yeah, it does. That's exactly when, you know, when you walk out, it drops in price. It doesn't quite. What happens is generally it takes about two years for a new site to bed down with the pricing because some people have bought you know off plan and bought this price and some people bought right at the last you know in three months before and bought at this price 
and then somebody got last one and got up at that price. So there's kind of that price differential. So it evens it out, you know, and, and works out where the market's at. And you know, if the market's going up, then yes, if the market's going down. So what you tend to find in times like this, the new build premium actually compresses. And so what actually happens is you're getting stuff that is, you know, it's probably, it's more expensive than the, the, uh, the thing, but I can tell you, you don't have the maintenance, you don't have the issues for, I reckon around about eight years is normal if you buy off a quality developer, you probably get four or five years off you know, an average developer. And if it's a crappy developer, then you know, you're probably six months in, 12 months in. Um, but you know, don't buy off crappy developers. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, that's the same for anything. Um, you know, but you can generally expect these. The premium, what happens when the market is booming, then the premium increases. And so actually, it's when the market's booming where you've got to be really careful. Now, I mean, you've still got to be careful now. But now, not as much. Okay, so hopefully that helps, Dean. Um, you know, but again, ha have a chat to the team because right now we're finding the new build premium is not huge. You know, it's it's not you know secondhand market here, new build market here, and you're talking probably five percent. There's always going to be five percent ish in it, but it can get up to. I mean, I've seen it as high as thirty percent, but you wouldn't buy that. You know, but but you know what happens is people go along to seminars and they get sold this sort of crap, and they get sold on a dream of you know discount, you know, and all this rubbish and garbage. And, and the problem is, if they don't do their due diligence, and they don't check things out, then they end up buying something that's overpriced. Because oftentimes what will happen is they'll say, well, look, you're getting this 30%, and then, you know, it's 30% premium, but we're giving you a 20% discount, and you're still paying 10% over the odds, you know. Um, and that really sort of, uh, you know, hopefully that sort of explains. So is it worth paying the market? Look, I love new build, I love off plan, because that's the strategy I choose, because I don't have to worry about maintenance. I don't have to do anything to the property. I, I'm busy doing this work, you know? I'm busy with four kids and a family. You know, I'm busy doing the stuff that I love. So I don't have the time to go in and renovate and to do all that sort of stuff. Yeah? Now some of my properties now, I was just looking at one. You know, my first property I bought in two thousand and three in the UK. You know, so you know, so we're talking eighteen years I've had that property. Eighteen years next uh, so November. Sorry, 18 years November. So, you know, so, so, but that, that property, I mean, I've repainted it and I've done a few things to it, but actually it's still a good solid property, you know, but now it's well and truly secondhand property, you know, so yeah, it, it all settles down, but yeah, you don't want to overpay, but that's a function of your diligence. Okay. So hopefully that helps, Dean. Um, good, good. Okay. So let's get into the lettings and management then. Um, so let's talk about the eviction ban. So the eviction ban is being lifted. I think it's this Sunday. Um, it gets lifted. But the key here, so it's 20th of September, the key here really is that the existing cases, so if you had an existing case of getting rid of somebody or evicting them, um, that has been stayed. So unless you take action, all right, and fill out a, I can't remember what name is, 5B, I think, uh, don't hold me to that, um, whatever the form is. Part of that form is you've got to say, are you aware of what's happened with um, your tenant? You know, have they been affected by coronavirus? So how do you do that? Well, you know, hopefully you've had a conversation with them. Hopefully you've emailed them to say, you know, whatever, um, you know, they're behind in the rent, they're antisocial behavior, they're whatever, okay? Um, and if you do that, that's enough because actually under the mandatory grounds, because understand get, evicting people is mandatory grounds and there's a discretionary grounds. Mandatory grounds, you, it doesn't matter. They still, it's mandatory, so they'll get evicted. Discretionary, it's at discretion. Now, I think the problem is the court's gonna be totally overwhelmed, yeah? Part of it is is this, is that the ban has been for six months now. They've added six months notice on there. So new cases 
now have six months notice added to it, which means if you, as of mo uh, Monday, say you're out, you know, and begin the process, even through a section 21 or whatever, um, it's likely to take you six months. But then the other problem is, is that's just to get the notice. Then you've got to get the court date, you know, and 55,000, I think it was on, I was on a webinar, I think um, Paul Champolina um, mentioned 55,000 backlog of cases, which is just extraordinary. And, the, you know, the problem is, is that's landlord money that's being lost, you know, and, and it's going to be very hard for them to get that. But what it is, and this is a real problem, is those landlords, sorry, those tenants are going to have their credit ruined because now, for instance, we're going for things like CCJs, you know, so we're not letting people get away with it. Now, we are doing things like mediation, a few things like that to try and help them as much as we can. But if it gets to the point where they owe money, or, you know, our landlords forgo money or we owe money, well, then, you know, we're doing, we're going down the, the money claim online. It's there, you know, it's a function and, you know, they need to sort it. Um, and we'll, we'll talk a bit more about that because one of the key things, I mean, Robert um, Generic, um, the housing commissioner, you know, um, total arrogance towards landlords, you know. Um, but anyway, he, you know, he was on there saying, oh, and, but we're, you know, for the, for the worst of people, the antisocial behavior, we've, you know, made that, well, try and get antisocial behavior to go through. You know, you have to have a conviction, you have to have evidence, you have to have all this sort of stuff and you've got to be able to get into the court. You know, well, the courts, you know, they're well backed up and behind, you know, and there doesn't seem to be any plan in place. Um, so it's almost like the government has said, you know what, we're just going to let the landlords foot this bill. Um, you know, that can be on them. You know, we'll win, we'll win the, the, um, the politics by saying, oh, look, we're looking after the tenants and no tenant will be evicted over, over winter. And, you know, I'm all for that, but landlords should not be paying for that. The government should be paying for that. Yeah, I mean, you know, if they're going to do that, that is their function. You know, when the, when the, when the shit hits the fan, excuse the French, you know, that's where they should be stepping in. You know, they are best suited to do that, not individual landlords. And that's what's frustrating about this whole process. So one of the things we're doing, and I guess the, the, the solutions to this problem, you know, really, okay, so the first thing is mediation service. Yeah, now, what we're doing is so personally in, our, in my business, we've set up a mediation service and I know things like um, um, Landlord Action um, have set up their setting up a mediation service between tenants and landlords, okay? Um, to get in there and try and get these things resolved because the courts have failed us, the politics have failed us, so now we're gonna have to take it upon ourselves, yeah? Um, and, and so really the challenge is, is landlords are gonna be at a loss because of the government and the law is against them and it's not really supporting them. You know, it's not really giving them any ability to do anything and that, which is frustrating. I mean, it is a small minority. And this is the problem is people like Generation Rent and that, they make it sound like every landlord is a rogue landlord. And that's just not the case. You know, we're talking about small percentages, but they they make it sound like, you know, and it's their job, you know, that every landlord's a prick. And they just aren't, you know. I mean, the Section 21s, we should continue to have them because they are useful because a lot of times the courts failed, so we'd have a section 21. They take that section 21 away and we're gonna use the court. Those guys are bloody useless. They take so long. It's some of the friggin' things, it's so punitive. You know, it makes it so hard. But anyway, that's the life we live as a landlord now because, and this is one of my bigger concepts as well that I deal with, is the fact that the government doesn't want private landlords anymore. It wants large corporation institutions to run all of that. 
And so it's doing everything from tax changes to, to, to uh, compliance to all these sort of things to make it hard for the individual landlord. They want you as an individual landlord, you know, with a couple of properties or whatever, to actually effectively take your money out of there and put it into a pension fund and earn diddly squat. Because let's face it, pensions <laughs> have failed dismally and they're going nowhere, yeah? So look, guys, you know, I mean, that's the thing. So mediation is unfortunately the solution, but one thing we are gonna do is, you know, um, get, we're gonna have guarantors, yeah, for everything, because we have to now. So, so we're gonna be pushing for everyone to have a guarantor, which will make it bloody hard on the tenants, because the moment that they can't get a guarantor, they're gonna to struggle to find a property, okay? And then the other solution is rent and legal insurance for your property. You know, I have it on all mine now just because it's just not worth the hassle, the risk. You know, I've seen some really devastating things happen for, you know, people. So, you know, look, it's interesting. You know, this is generation rent I mentioned before. You know, evictions have been paused, but this hasn't stopped some, you know, London landlords raising the rent. You know, it's like far out, you know. I mean, because they had, somebody called them and told them that they had their rent raised, even though they told the landlord that, you know, they're in difficulty. It's like, man... You know what? This is the problem. And then you've got this idiot too. You know, um, he, um, what's his name? Um, the bloody line, Sadiq Khan. You know, talking about, oh, call for a two-year freeze amid COVID. You know what? I mean, all the costs have just gone up to be a landlord because of compliance. They continue to go up. It's bloody near impossible to get an EICR done in a timely manner, you know, which slows the whole process down because they're, they've dumped so many on the market. So little thought. I mean, the fact that they change their mind regularly is just appalling. You know, I mean, you know, it's it's a it's a lesson in how not to be a leader, how not to run a government. But you know what? They're getting away with it. I mean, they've done some good things in terms of the supporting the market, in terms of freeing up planning. But they really seem to have it out for, and it seems open slather on small landlords. Yeah. You know, and that just seems to be a never-ending uh, thing right now. The, the reality is, and I'll say this, and let's move on to Brett, Brett's rants, because I think one of the key things here, guys, is that, you know, it can be, you can be forgiven for sitting there going, hold on, Brett, but um, I've, you know, <laughs> the tax changes has got up, the compliances, you know, tenant fee ban, the, all these sort of things are getting hit. We're getting hit constantly. Surely it's not profitable to be our landlord anymore. Well, you know what? I hate to say this, but this happens all the time, you know, and, and there's always another reason. There's always, you know, more regulation. There's always more cost. There's always this, but you know what? Property continues to go up and here's the, here's the truth of what's going to happen. And, you know, quote me on this in three, four, five years time where what's going to happen is you've got a mortgage. Yeah. You've got the value of the property and the value of the property might come down a bit, but it'll go back up. Make no mistake. You know, it'll continue going up. But that mortgage, yeah, because of inflation, which is going to happen because they're printing so much money, the value of your mortgage is going to decrease. In other words, when you pay that mortgage off in, say, five, 10 years' time, the money, let's say you had a 100,000 mortgage, 100,000 in 10 years' time is going to be the equivalent of 50,000, 60,000, or something like that, 70,000, 80,000, depending on what the inflation rate is. Yeah? So you will benefit greatly. So don't lose heart now. Yeah? Don't lose heart in the industry. There is lots of money still to be made. Yes, there's some pains in the bum. And yes, there's a bit more time you've got to put in it. And yes, you need to deal with quality people who know what they're talking about, not friggin' idiots that are just there to sell you. 
Yeah. So one of the reasons I run these, you know, I'm doing these every week and I'm doing webinars and I'm doing all this sort of stuff is to get the good quality information out there because it's so easy to pick up the phone and speak to somebody who just says, oh yes, we've got the deal for you in wherever it is we're selling this week, you know? And, and that's not what this market is about and it shouldn't be what the market is about. You know, the reality is there's still money and there will continue to be money, make no mistake, in property. You know, yes, you've got to wear some weather, you know, weather the storm a bit. And yeah, it can seem like oh, this is all too hard. It's not hard, you know. Set up your portfolio well, you know, and you get professionals around, you get a team. You know, even if you're going to do it yourself, you know, I, I, I joke, you know, my business, we are done for you. We'll do everything for you, yeah. And so a lot of people go, oh, no, no, it's too expensive to do that. You know, I'm going to do it all myself. And then I'm like, do you have a mortgage broker? Yeah, I've got a mortgage broker. <laughs> okay. Do you have a solicitor? Yeah, I have a solicitor. Okay, great. And how do you source these properties? Well, I go around and I speak to agents. So you use agents. Okay, yeah, gotcha. You know, so are you really doing it yourself or are you doing parts of it yourself? So the question becomes not whether it's all done do it yourself. It's a question of what parts do you get professionals to do, you know, who specialize in those areas and what parts do you do yourself? Now, you know, for my business, we deal with people who don't have the time to do it themselves. So they need someone they can bring on board to get them to do it for them. And that's what we do. And we do it very well. And we've done it for, you know, I think, well, 2004, you know. Um, you know, so what's that? 17 years, 16 years. Um, you know, so it is coming on 17 years. That's scary, isn't it? I mean, I remember I used to do videos when I first started. There was no gray hair. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So guys, any questions you've got, um, pump them through. Look, that's it for me today. So any questions you've got, you know, bring them through, happy to talk through, happy to do whatever. Um, you know, but uh, yeah, look, you know, it's, it's, you know, it can appear to be a really stressful and, you know, an uncertain time. But the key is to get good quality information. And when you get good quality information, you can have some certainty, even in this market. Yeah. Because the other thing is, as long as you're looking long term, and I'm talking, you know, it may, prices may drop 10%. Yeah. They may drop 10% in the next six months. But the likelihood is, if you're in the best areas and you've been investing in the best areas with the best fundamentals, the major cities and all that sort of stuff, the likelihood is those prices will come back. Yeah. And they'll come back quicker than you think. Yeah. So then the question is, are you going to be one of these people that, you know, waits until they drop? You know, but then you can't tell where the bottom is and you wait, wait, wait. And by the time you actually realize and get involved, you've already come out the other side or worse, you're concerned that they're still talking about double dips and things like that. So you don't get in and it, and it races away. I've seen it happen over years and years and years. All right. So guys, um, if there's no other questions, we'll uh, we'll call it for this week. But um, yeah, thanks for dropping in. As always, if you've got any questions, webinars are Gladfish and I'll, I actually respond to them via video. So we're doing lots of videos. I've actually now got a full-time videographer um, who's editing stuff. So I'll be able to pump out stuff really quickly now. We're, we're sort of real building the marketing team up because I'm going to be doing a lot more live stream and a lot more of this sort of stuff. But um, yeah, guys, keep the questions flowing. I'll um, call it now. And um, yeah, thanks very much for watching. You know, as usual, comment, subscribe to my channel. Um, and if you want to chat through with the team, you can by all means give them a call. I'll uh, put the details on in a second. Give them a call, sit down with them, get a plan. You know, Don't be one of these guys that goes out and just deal hunts. Get a plan, get a strategy in place, 
and then the property will be a lot easier to choose, you know. And if you need to do get that plan, get that strategy together, speak to the team. That's where uh, we're, we're experts at. All right, guys, have a fantastic day, and we'll chat to you real soon. All right.